You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back to another episode of 32 Fans. This is episode, I'm not even sure anymore. And we're talking with Matthew Weston about his Houston Texans today. Matthew, we were discussing before the podcast, this is either your second or third year in a row doing this, but we weren't sure. Yeah, I think it's three, but I don't even know what I even ate for lunch today, so I would be the wrong person to ask. Fair fair enough. And you have a special place in my heart because you're from San Antonio, a city that I've never been to. Yeah, it's a, I tell everybody who hasn't been here and even who has been here and left or didn't like it that it's a fine place to live. It's perfectly nice. Uh, it's cheap. It's affordable. Everything's pretty good. And there's always some place close enough you can drive to if you get a little bit tired of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. One day I will make it to San Antonio. Unfortunately, now I feel like it would be a bad time to go. Like after my entire life, about 28 years of Spurs fandom, with them being good, I think it, it would be weird to go like the year they go, they get bad. I mean, they're still gonna win like fifty-two games and be the fifth seed, so it's sure. gonna be a lot. I like... mean, that's good for very little in the modern NBA, but that yeah, is yeah, true. yeah. Like so it losing, be you know, lose three times by forty to Golden State in round two, that would be a wonderful. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I thought last year, Matthew, with the Texans, right before Deshaun Watson gets hurt, there's like a two-week stretch where Watson basically was on the verge of becoming the biggest star in the NFL. I don't even mean on the field. I mean, like, he was, he was basically becoming the face of the league. And then he gets hurt. So do you think it was, like, just this insane four-week hot stretch and, you know, his true value will be something better than maybe his first couple weeks, but not his, you know, historic four-week stretch before he gets hurt? Or do you think he actually becomes, like, the face of the league this year if he's healthy? I think 100% is going to be worse this year, mainly because what he did last year was unsustainable. He threw a mm-hmm. touchdown on 9.3% of his passes. The only quarterback other than him to do that since 1990 is Peyton Manning, and he did it twice. He did it once in 2013 and then some other time whenever he was in Indianapolis. And the only there's only been 12 quarterbacks since 1990 to have a touchdown break greater than 8%. And Manning's the only person who's done it multiple times. Uh, so, obviously, that's going to be worse. It may dip down to 5% or so. So, I think statistically, he's going to be worse. He's not going to throw a touchdown passes as often. I think he's going to throw more interceptions. He got lucky last year. There's a couple of bad decisions he made that wasn't taken advantage of by the defense. And so, that that's kind of, kind of that's going to swing things. But I think he'll be better in you know in some ways as far as just like being more polished of a quarterback. But I don't think the results are going to be indicative of that. So, I think last year was 
a fluke in, you know, how insanely good he was and how, you know, he set the whole world on fire. It was kind of like watching Flacco in like the 2012 postseason. But I mm-hmm. think he'll he'll still be a very good quarterback long term. Uh, all right, let me read you. Chester always sends notes when he when he's not on the episode. So uh, here's what he said. Houston took a break from their tradition of winning nine games every year to win only four last year. And yet, I think, this is Chester's words, the Texans come to the season with more optimism than in previous seasons. I don't think anyone would debate that because of what we saw from Deshaun last year. Houston spends less money on its offense than any team in the NFL. That's interesting. But part of that, I think, is that you have a lot of young players, right, on the, on the, on the offense, which, I mean, they could spend money. But is that something you've seen, that they've put all their money into the defense? No, I mean, I think a lot of it is just because their big money free agent signings on offense were Jeff Allen and name redacted, Brock Osweiler, and they're both off mm-hmm. the roster, so they're not paying for them right. anymore. And when you have a rookie quarterback, you know, that really kind of mitigates the amount of money they spend uh, totally. on the offense position. But also, like this year, they have more money this free agency period, but they didn't go out and you know, blow it on big free agents that they could have. Like They could pay Nate Solder $16 million a year, and they were smart not to. So I don't think it's that. The, that they don't spend money on their offense. It's that cyclically just is kind of like one of those years where they aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so Chester Rose says, the problem is the O-line still stinks. Pro Football Focus, by the way, uh, has them as the worst line in the league. Uh, and it's the O-line that caused Watson to get injured. Last year was pressured on a league-high 48% dropback, second-highest in the NFL, his teammate Tom Savage. Watson's incredible at avoiding pressure thanks to his mobility, but as we've seen from Russell Wilson, even a mobile QB can only do so much behind the garbage OL. Compared Watson's numbers under pressure and under pressure. Pressure, 48% completion, 71% quarterback rating, 7.4 yards per attempt. Not pressured, 71% of his passes, 124 QBR, which would be the best in the NFL. I assume he means the best for non-pressured and not just him being not pressured. is better than any other quarterback being pressured. And nine uh, yards per attempt. His yards per attempt are amazing, even if he's pressured. Mm-hmm. Uh, um He says, one benefit of the 4-12 and 12 cratering, cratering is that Houston has the easiest schedule in the NFL. Uh, he, he, you know, we, we could get to some of the other things he says, he says later, but, um, is there any reason to think that this line isn't going to be the worst or, or bottom five line? Yeah, I think it's gonna be better than people expect it to be. Uh, last year, you know, was, was really stupid. One, because they came to week one with Tom Savage as the starting quarterback, which I don't know how you can watch like Watson and Savage at the same time and come to that mm-hmm. decision that Savage be there instead. But it's also, if you make the decision of Savage be your quarterback, like you have to pay Dwayne Brown, you have to extend. You have to do whatever you can to make him happy because Savage needs lots of time to throw the ball because he has he has a smooth brain. And then Jeff Allen's terrible. I think Martin's pretty good, but he got hurt in the last year. Xavier Zay- feels better than what people think he is, but his hands are still too much of a problem. He whiffs. He whiffs really bad. And then right tackle they burned Giacomini, who was terrible as well. But their tackle plays really would hurt him last year, along with Jeff Allen. And this offseason, they added offensive linemen, but. They aren't like the the guys that you know. They added, uh, they bump, they kept Julian Davenport as the starting left tackle. He started the, the year last year. I really liked him after he got drafted. He was pretty good last year. He just wasn't super strong. And already this preseason, it looks like he added that strength that he needed to to be able to like deal with bull rushes and actually you know, drive the first level a little bit better as well too. They signed Zach Fulton, who could be a Pro Bowl. Uh, he's a Pro Bowl talent guard uh, coming from Kansas City. I think Martin hopefully is healthy all this year. They signed Sunil Calamente, who backed up in New Orleans, and he's a he's a fine player. He's too inconsistent to be good, but uh, he's been much better than Jeff Allen was. And that right tackle, that's going to be the really big question on this team. Currently, they have Sean Shaw Henderson as the starter. He hasn't really played since 2014. Big, he's 
big guy, right? He's like yeah, the guy in the league, he's like six no? six three thirty, but he's bad. He, he might even be six eight. Oh really? I'm mistaken. Jeez. He might be. Yeah. Yeah, but he's bad though, and like he hasn't played in you know three or four years. Even when he did play, he was bad. So I think mm-hmm. it, hopefully the biggest question is going to be that right tackle position. And they drafted Martinez Rankin, who's a guy I really liked. He's no, the only he tackle in the third round, right? Yeah, and he was the only tackle. Right. I, I mean, I that liked shows you the watching. state of the team a little bit. If like you're basically going to pencil in a tackle from the third round, yeah, for sure. Year. But like he was the only tackle I liked watching of all the uh, the guys who were drafted this past class because he could run and pass block. Like watching Mac mm-hmm. McGlinky was so boring. Watching Clinton are you scouting Moore, these guys so in college, Matthew? I, I I watched a bunch of offensive tackles because of you know Houston needed them and so I need wow, something. Wow, look at to this guy! They should be paying you the Texans. Yeah, that's all right. They got no linemen. They got the guy I wanted though. I wanted Rankin. They got him. I was very happy. And uh, but I mean, like he can run and pass block, but he's hurt right now. He may be ready for Week One. Not it's me, Henderson, and that's going to go really poorly. But I think the offensive line can be like the twentieth best offensive line in the league. Okay, maybe I mean, mediocre. The twentieth will get you somewhere. Yeah, I think so because too. I. Th- I think we talk about two to fifty three a lot on this podcast, which is everyone other than the quarterback. But if we maybe maybe we could call this seven to fifty three, which is everyone other than the quarterback and the five zero lineman. Yeah. Um, like you guys could play with anybody in the NFL. You have an elite pass rush. You have a good run defense. Um, you have a uh, okay secondary. Bigger names than maybe quality. You know, Honey Badger, Jonathan Joseph, maybe a below average secondary, but not an atrocious one, right? Yeah, that's the biggest question, I think, for this team, though. It's going to be the pass rush if it can stay healthy. Because the secondary, they were able to get away with losing J.J. Watt two years ago because they had A.J. Boye. Uh, Jonathan Joseph was still playing well. Cream Jackson was okay. And they had Merciless and Clowney as well, too. But last year, they weren't able to get over it because they didn't have the secondary that they had the, the previous year. So I think the pass rush is great. And Clowney, Merciless, and... J.J. Watt all are healthy and play the majority of the season. I think this should be a top 10 defense. But if one injury happens to those guys or if two happens, I think if two happens, they're screwed. If one happens, they can maybe get by. But I don't think the secondary is going to be nearly good enough to make up for uh, not like a dominant pass rush. I'm going to drop a hot take for the listeners. I, th- I-, I wonder if you'll be on, on board here because I've been the listeners will know I've, I've been very high on, on Houston so far in this offseason. If the line is a slightly below average to league average line, then I think under my head I would pick the Texans to make the Super Bowl this year. You should do it then. Well, but I just don't think. I think that I don't I, – I, there's no reason – even if the rookie right tackle comes in and is great. Like I just – like the left tackle stinks and the center is not so impressive and one of the guards is, is – it just – if you had a totally different offensive line, I'm saying, then I would, I would be very – I would be really – optimistic about this team's chances in the playoffs but you just the way the, the way the league works right now it's like all the good teams have this like insane pass rush now granted that's mostly in the nfc i mean you could make you could probably make the super bowl as like the seventh best team you know mm-hmm. uh just you know if, if brady gets hurt then like someone has to make it from the afc right why not you guys it's, it's got to be somebody mm-hmm. but but i'm not i'm not being crazy right like obviously you're a homer but like this this team this team ceiling is the super bowl right uh, I wouldn't go that far. I think if the pass, like, yeah, I think if the pass rush is healthy, they should win ten games because I, I see a big regression in Watson this year after what he did last year. And then mm-hmm. if the pass rush isn't healthy, I think they win probably like six games. I think if they stay fully healthy, I would still pick the Jaguars over them in this division. 
by the way, for ranks, because I didn't, I didn't drop it at the beginning of the podcast, I had the Texans as my fifth-ranked team, which is very high. Chester had them as 10th, so they're our eighth-ranked team overall. Um, but that's, uh, I think that's probably third behind the Pats and the Jaguars for, it, for the AFC. So I mean, even Chester, who's far less bullish on, on Houston than I am, is not, um, it doesn't think that's the craziest thing in the world. All right, I want to talk bigger picture for a second because we're already getting into the nitty-gritty in the offensive linemen in the secondary. All right, you got a new GM. Talk to me about, we, we've been talking about front office, front office confidence this offseason. Give me your, your level from 1 to 10 of front office confidence. Uh, I guess, I don't know, 7. Because he didn't really make any big decisions at all this year. He just did what he should have done. It was a bad free agent class. They didn't have their first two draft picks. And so he added need where he could, but he didn't go out and spend you know, $16 million on Terrain Johnson. So he got Aaron Colvin for you know, 9 or whatever it was. He didn't go out and spend $16 million on Nate Solder, and so they kept Davenport and have the opportunity to groom him, sign Sanchez Henderson, and upgrade the interior of the offensive line. That's a little bit cheaper to upgrade as well, too. And so he didn't go all in on free agency, which was the right decision. And, uh, you know, I like the free agency moves he made. I think he was really cost-effective with them. It was kind of like what, you know, um, Ballard did for the Colts, you know, yet last year and the year before, where even though they have cap space, there's no reason to spend it just yet. I can kind of wait and see how your team goes as well. So, I mean, I'm okay with him. He just hasn't done enough for me to know if I really think he's uh, really any good. And the it. old GM is, is, is definitely not coming back, or he might come back next year because he's sick, right? I have no idea. His wife had cancer. He stepped down, but, there's, but he's still with the team in some role. But nobody knows if he's going to come back next year as a – you know, get one of those bigger promotions where he's like you know, president of football operations but doesn't make football decisions, and this guy's still the general manager. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. Okay, so let's go to the coach. So Bill O'Brien, fifth year, first year last year where he did not go 9-7. and seven, But it's tough to get to year five without winning a playoff game in the NFL. Uh, I, I mean, where would you say your level of confidence with him? You don't have to give me a number, but what, what's your level of confidence with Bill O'Brien? I, I mean, I think if you were going to fire him, you would have fired him after they beat Oakland the first round of the playoffs and lost to the Patriots because there's so much, you know, arguing over if Rick Smith wanted oh, him. By the or, way, I've been I've been off today. Sorry, I, I, my stats didn't have the the Raiders win. You are obviously correct that they that they beat the Raiders in the playoffs and lost to the Pats. In yeah, it's all good. Uh, I mean, there's so much arguing, so much like unknownness. If it, Rick Smith wanted Oswaller or if Bill O'Brien did, I think it was a decision that both of them made, and they all said good things about him after they signed him. And Bill O'Brien was terrible with Oswaller. The reason why they signed Oswaller is because they had no. Uh, real urgency to upgrade the quarterback position the two years prior. That wasted J.J. Watt's prime, and they ended up you know, stuck in 9-7 and underutilized this roster. And so after those three years, like I really didn't like Bill O'Brien at all. Uh, I still don't know if I like him or not, but I don't think you would have fired him after last season after what happened with Watson. I think you're kind of mm-hmm. stuck keeping him around this year, but I think they should have fired him three years ago, though. And I, I think he just wasted the prime of Watt. He wasted a really talented team. Um, he doesn't know when to go for him fourth down. He kicks field goals when he shouldn't. He couldn't get anything on any quarterback. I mean, the problem is, Matthew. Had. You sound like like I would say, like everything you're saying. I would say about my coach, who's in a, a very similar boat, and like there's 15 other like the grass is always greener with coaches, but there's only like four actually good ones, and then everyone else is sort of replacement level, interchangeable. At yeah, least, you know. So, yeah, I could see that. I think he's just kind of like last, there was no reason to win games last year, right? Once once Watson goes down now. 
if he had anything to do with the with the decision not to play Watson, you know, picking picking Savage over him week one, like that, everyone should have gotten fired for that, right? Oh yeah, and he hundred percent did. Like he said, all yeah, the right things was about laughing. Savage. Yeah, it was one of those things that even when it happened, people were like, I, you know, the Scott Casimir, Victor Zambrano trade for our Mets fans. Like even when it happens, people know, like, oh my god, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, it's it's hard to take someone seriously after that. Although, like for the Jets, for me, like. The Jets could win six straight Super Bowls, and Brian McCagnan, who used to be in your front office, is still going to be the guy who picked Christian Hackenberg in the second round. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can't get past that. You have one big mistake. And I guess that's kind of the good thing about Houston is that they did get past that kind of immediately, and they you know, they made a trade that they didn't even have to make and could have released him anyways, but uh, that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do some QB ranking quickly. Deshaun obviously is a tough guy because he's got uh, you know a relatively light resume just in terms of games played compared to a lot of other players. But if you were starting a franchise, Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson? Uh, it depends on how many years I want to win because if I'm trying to win right now, I pick Russell Wilson. I'd I say mean, you're the owner, so you're never getting fired, so you don't have to worry about that. You just like long term. The goal is to win as many Super Bowls as possible, but it doesn't have to be tomorrow. I would probably I would say Watson then just because he's on his rookie contract and he's twenty three years old and Wilson's yep. already thirty and he's been hit a bunch. Oh, uh, and what about uh, Watson or Wentz? Uh, I mean, I think that's the toughest question, the toughest guy you could ask between the two because they're both are similar where they had really great years last yeah. year, but they both have these insane same touchdown ACL numbers. Injury. Yeah, same yeah. ACL injury, same touch, same insane touchdown numbers. Uh, between the two, I'd probably say Watson just because he's more athletic. And, uh, and I think you can you can build like a slightly more multidimensional offense. Even though I know how how good Wentz has been at running the football as well too. Yeah, and I, I know you're in good shape because there's nobody else I could really like I, without insulting you. There's nobody else I could ask you about. Like the old guys, you know, they're better, but they're older. The Brady Rogers Breeze, and everyone else would just be like a slap in your face if I asked. Like maybe for one year we could talk about Matt Ryan or somebody, but yeah, you know. Um, you know, it, I could say Jimmy G, but I think I think that's uh, not a good use. Of, I don't. I, you'd have to be the biggest Jimmy G head in the world to even think about that. Yeah, for um, sure. What would you say is the weakest link on the Texans this year in terms of like the twenty-two starters? Don't give me like a guy who's going to get cut. Uh, the tight end position, they have five tight ends right now. They're all pretty hard to discern from one another. Uh, the rookie they took in this past draft in the third round, Jordan Akins of UCF. He was like 27 years old. He's playing against a bunch of 19-year-olds. He looked great out there, but you couldn't really tell this was just because he's a, a varsity playing against the freshman football team or, or what it was. And he caught two touchdown passes pretty recently. But everybody else on the roster, like, there's nothing you really expect. Ryan Griffin can only round the flag, catch four-yard passes. He can't block. Yeah. Uh, Steven Anderson can't block, but he's like a big slot receiver, but he's not very good in the red zone. They drafted Jordan Thomas at Mississippi State, and I have no idea if he's good or not. There wasn't really any video at all on him. What round? Uh, they took him in the sixth round, and then they have uh, uh, Michael so, Pruitt. From what I'm seeing, people, uh, do you play fantasy? Yeah, I play a little fantasy. I hate it. I think I, I think people in a in a twelve team league, even with you know, in a six by week, you're never going to see a Texans tight end in, in a starting lineup. It looks like. Yeah, not week one for sure. Maybe Jordan Aikens. Well, and, certainly not week one. Yeah, maybe team maybe Jordan Aikens can make it you know, later on potentially because uh-huh. he's probably going to get targets. But, yeah, I mean, the whole group's been bad, and it's been bad since, you know, oh, uh, I'm going to say almost some stupid. Since Owen Daniels left the team, the time position's yeah. just been terrible. 
Uh, so the receivers, Will Fuller had a wacky year last year, right, where basically when Watson was there, he would have two, two catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns, but the rest of the year he wasn't doing much. It, do you think he is sort of like a star complement to DeAndre Hopkins, or was that similar to just everything unsustainable that was going around going on around that team for a month? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, he had, I think, a touchdown rate of like 50%. They call it eight passes last year when Watson was there. And four of them were touchdowns, and he only had like 12 targets. But I think he's perfect as, you know, as a slot guy um, because he can split safety. So you're going to, you know, roll coverages over to DeAndre Hopkins. You're going to double him. And they just have Will Fuller run really fast down the middle of the field, and he can split two high safeties. And if you have one safety, you can't really keep up with him. So as long as he stays healthy and as long as Watson is there, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, probably have like 800 yards and, you know, seven touchdowns or so. But there's no way it's gonna be as insane as it was last year. Uh, I, I, to me, other than maybe my team. Sorry to keep bringing up the Jets, but there's there, there's probably no uh, less sexy uh, running back group in the league other than maybe my team that has Isaiah Crowell, Bilal Powell, and a bunch of forty year olds, uh, and maybe Tom Crowell <laughs> making the team. Um, I, I mean, I like all those is, guys. is anybody here getting you excited? Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, Dante Foreman, any of the young guys who maybe make the team? Is anyone getting you excited? Well, Alfred Blue's one of my least favorite Texans of all time, namely because he's not good, but also like Texans fans for some reason, the majority of them have to love every player on the team, and they will stick up for Alfred Blue. And he's plot, he's a plotter. He gets like you know three yards of carry. He's slow. Mm-hmm. He can't break tackles. He can't do anything. Yeah, if the uh, team did, runs for four point one and you run for three point seven, the issue is you. Yeah, for sure. And also, like if you look at the numbers where they're running behind the same offensive line, he's always much worse than everybody else. But I'm excited for Lamar Miller this year after being excited for the past two years. Uh, the main reason why I'm excited... By the way, same thing with Miller as with Blue. Same 3.7 for a team that was running for over four yards of carry. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Miller, though, is he lost a bunch of weight this offseason. And Miller's problem hasn't really been him as much as the Texans are just running inside zone with him, running up the middle. And he's like a guy who you should only get... You should only give him like 175 carries and maybe 50 catches. And they've turned him into a 225, 230 carry guy, and he's not that. So hopefully Deontay Foreman's back healthy week one, and they can split the carries up some. And he's actually lost weight, and he's faster and lighter, more explosive. And he looks more like the guy that was you know, super efficient, top, finished top 10, DVOA and DYR, you know, two years in Miami before Houston signed him. So hopefully that Lamar Miller comes back. Um, he's been a great receiver for the Texans the past few years, just catching dump-offs. But the question is going to be if that loss of weight actually leads to speed and if Bill O'Brien actually finally starts using him as he should be used. All right, we're going to play a game. I don't know if you've played this in the past, but uh, people were demanding it. We haven't done it in a few episodes. It's called the roster game. I don't know if you remember if it's from last year, but you're going to pick a number between 0 and 100, and I'm going to pick a random Houston text, and you just have to tell me everything you know about that one guy. Okay. Uh, 77. All right, who is Angelo Blackson? I'm pretty sure he's a defensive end who played like 35 snaps last year and couldn't be on the field even though they had guys like Brandon Dunn and Christian Covington was out and uh, Colin Malu in front of him. And even with those guys who are lackluster playing, he couldn't see the field at all. Mm-hmm. You know what college he went to? Just no, I have it. no idea. Maybe Michigan State? To- I don't know. Auburn. Um, all right, that was another legendary episode of the roster game. All right, Matthew, we have a new listener, Sam from New Zealand. And he listens to this podcast, but he has never watched a football game, or he's only watched a few minutes of football in his life because he lives in New Zealand. And he wants 
every guest to come on and pitch their team to be his team. So, you know, people always write articles about this with the English Premier League, right? I'm yeah. an American. I like the USMNT. And now I'm going to start rooting for, uh, you know, not me because I'm a lifelong Newcastle fan, but like Burnley. Someone's going to root for Burnley or something. So why should Sam from New Zealand root for, or maybe you want to convince him not to root for, the Houston Texans? Well, I would tell Sam if he wants to watch football, what he should do is buy NFL Game Pass and watch condensed versions because you can watch a game in 30 minutes. And it's so much better than they're watching, you know, three hours of commercials and the whole Wait, story. Wait, so you're thing. trying to convince him not to watch football, Matthew? I'm convincing him to watch condensed versions of football games because it's a much better That's way to crazy. do it. That's crazy. Come on. What if, why, I, I at least convince him to watch the Red Zone channel and just have a fantasy team. No, I don't even watch Red Zone. Wait until all the Is games are over. Is that how you over. watch these games? You're yeah, scouting I, college games. No, I watch Houston play live and I go for a walk, you know, read a book. And I wait till 7 o'clock and I watch like... Eight, eight or ten condensed games over the next day and a half, and then catch back okay, up. Okay, wait, so ride. time out, because this is, this is getting interesting. So you go for a walk, you avoid your phone, or you're spoiled on the scores? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how I'm feeling, if I wouldn't be surprised or not. But sometimes I'll check the scores. You know, it kind of yeah, but sometimes on, on you don't. Sometimes you watch sometimes eight, eight condensed games. With that. I mean, that's a fun way to watch. One t- there was a Jewish holiday once, um, I think in 2012 or 2013, uh, I think it was week one, maybe week two, and I tried to watch all 16 games on condensed because it was already like Tuesday when the holiday yeah. was over without knowing who won. The problem is you really have to avoid the bottom of the screen because even on condensed, the, you know, the, the score updates, which are pretty constant on, on I think, CBS, um, you know, you, you'll get spoiled from the bottom. So you also have to sort of watch in chronological order. Mm-hmm. I think the move, by the way, I mean, if you're you know, a serious fan like you, God bless you. But I think the move is watch your team first, no matter when they play. You know, if, assume, assuming you're in this scenario, which I am in this year, week one. I can't watch the game live because it's a it's, uh, it's, uh, it's big Jewish holiday. And um, watch your team first because who cares if you get spoiled in the other games? Like you need to know, you know, did Sam Darnold throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns? Probably not. He probably got injured in the second quarter and the season's over. And then, um, and then I think you go back, you just watch the red zone on Game Pass. Uh, and then you sort of get the gist of everything without spoiling every game in you know in and of itself because it's it's uh, chronological the whole red zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. What and you if mean. you're not as hardcore as maybe Matthew or myself, flip to the fourth quarter of the one o'clock red zone, then flip to the fourth quarter of the four o'clock red zone. And if you're still hankering for more, go to like the Sunday night game or the Monday night game, and, and maybe go to halftime and watch the second half or something. Yeah, or watch whatever. Close it is very efficient, but I don't think we should be. I think that's sort of like. A veteran move. I don't think we can convince Sam from New Zealand to start with the red zone. You know what I mean? I think he's got to – you have to love football on its own before you could get into sort of shortcuts and tricks of the, the trade. Yeah, I mean, just the commercials and just – I mean, unless you like, – I only like watching the, the game. For. And, or, like, who knows? He's, he lives in New Zealand. He's probably rich. He's probably got, like, eight screens. Just put every game up, Sam. Yeah, that works as well, too. I just get bored. And then my other thing, too, is that like so many of the games, the thing about Red Zone is I like watching a whole game, and so you don't get to watch mm-hmm. a whole game watching Red Zone. Sure. And so I lose that part of it. So, it's, so, so it like works for me. you like football too much. You just can't tolerate the commercials because you need football to be on. And it, Yeah, and it's also like, why do something that takes three hours and I can do it when it takes you know 35 minutes, you know? It's true. It's true. I, I, I don't agree, but, but nothing you're saying is crazy. Yeah, so that's my All advice right. to him. But if he wants to be a te- if he wants but to be a te- Texans, why, if he wants why to be a Texans fan, Texans? 
like I guess you live in New Zealand, and so you know that's kind of I guess that's kind of cool. You can say you like the Texans, you like a different state, uh, a team named after a state instead of you know just a name like the, the after a cat or something along those lines. But also, it would be badass if like an NFL team could do the haka. I know it's like cultural appropriation and stuff, but what if like the New Zealand government allows one one team to be able to do the haka? I think they probably win eleven games. You know. Yeah. No, for sure. It would. I would bet the over on any team that was allowed to do the haka. Absolutely. Because yeah. it definitely it amps you like up Browns, and makes you a better player. Uh, as long as Hugh Jackson's the coach, that wouldn't happen. But it doesn't. It doesn't work though. Like you ever see like the New Zealand basketball team do it to like the dream team in the Olympics? No, I've never seen that. It doesn't work. <laughs> like you have to have decent play. It doesn't work when like Aaron Baines and eleven other dudes do the haka to LeBron and uh, and Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, but it is still awesome. The, Hawkeye. the MTV, the challenge they had one. You ever watch that show? I watched one MTV. season when I was like 14. Yeah. So one year they had in new in New Zealand and the intro to the season was like Johnny bananas and a bunch of clowns, like doing the Haka for the whole, <laughs> like, uh, theme song. It was great. It was, I, I like, I, I, there's no way they're allowed back in the country, but it was still great. Yeah. I need to watch that. Uh, I think the other thing you, I'm sure you could hit that on 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 YouTube. I'm sure uh, I am sure it's there. Just, yeah, and I may have uh, seen it too, but just don't remember it. It was a long time ago. I'm old. Uh, all right. So last segment, give me a prediction for this season. What do you think the Texans do? Do they make the playoffs? What's their record? I think if the pass rush is healthy, if two out of the three of Watt, Clowney, and Merciless play 14 games, I think they win 10 games this year. If mm-hmm. two of those three guys get injured, I think they win six. Yeah. And then I don't think they're. I, I just don't think unless Watson's hurt, I don't think they could be six wins bad. Yeah, uh, I think even Watson's healthy, they win six or seven. I think the Times would finish second in that case. But well, I think at you, least you'll get Bill O'Brien fired if you win six or seven games. No, no question. I think maybe people are very get very upset when Houston loses games on the internet. They're Texans fans, but. The, loyal, but maybe too loyal, it sounds like, these Texans fans. Yeah, and maybe it's just the way Twitter works where it's so esoteric that you know, this is this is what happens. Everybody just talks about the same things over and over again. But also, but yeah. One more thing from, from Chester, by the way. He says, for most of the decade, you guys benefited from being in the worst division. Football was basically Andrew Luck and J.J. Watt and no one else. Now Jacksonville's the best they've been in a century. Nice joke, Chester. Luck is finally healthy again, and Tennessee's luring is a 500 caliber team. I mean, they've been 9-7 two years in a row, so I would argue they're better than 500. Also, J.J. Watt's never healthy. At this point, it's a pattern. Why do we think it's going to be different? Now, I didn't really discuss Watt because I don't think we have any new ground to break. Well, I'm not going to ask you, like, over under how many games he played because unless you're a doctor and his doctor, like, who cares what we think, right? But Chester has a really interesting question for you, and we'll end with this, okay? If J.J. And, and, and you could also finish your prediction that I interrupted in a second. If J.J. Watt never plays again, would he make the Hall of Fame? Point, Terrell Davis did it. Counterpoint, TD also is the best postseason running back of all time. J.J. Watt doesn't really have a lot of postseason moments. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you know he's the greatest defensive player I've ever seen, and he was the greatest defensive player. Like He did things like nobody's ever done before, and yeah. you know, win three defensive player of the year trophies in four years. He probably could have won the MVP. He probably would have won the MVP if they made the playoffs that year that Rodgers won. I uh, have that yeah, twenty. Just the idea of talking about a defender like rightfully winning the MVP. Yeah, and he had that. Tw- now, he had essentially played five seasons. Yeah, he played five seasons. He was, it's he made the leap his second year. He was yeah, great right. the he year wasn't after. Wasn't amazing his rookie year. Yeah, I mean he had that twenty sack, twenty tackle for loss season. Like he did things I've never seen my do before. Right, I think the argument is in year, in year two, three, and four especially. 
he had the equivalent of two Hall of Fame seasons, basically, yeah. with like a normal defensive end. And also, as football keeps getting, you know, as the way it's going, like guys have shorter shelf lives, and so I think longevity is going to matter right. even less for Seven Hall of Fame Seven years from now, too. we might we might not be like, ooh, well, Watt retired when he was 31. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think he seems like a pretty complicated, not complicated, almost like simple, but but like in his own head a little bit. I do think if he had another one of these injuries, I, I don't know if he'd even bought, like, I don't know if he could do it a, a fourth time, you know? I wouldn't, but who knows about him? He's, he's kind of an insane person. He is an insane person, but like he also doesn't have a normal like comeback from injury. He has to like pull tractors across like the county, you know? <laughs> so I just don't know how many times like you could do that and then come back to like no avail and just play a couple of games and not really have an impact. I mean, he played in five games last year, had no sacks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think to answer Chester's question, we're both on yes, he will be in the Hall of Fame. And even the truth is, even if he doesn't, even if he plays and doesn't play well, He's just like compiling. Like you can't hurt. It's not like baseball where you could like hit two ten and hurt your average and hurt your OPS and only hit three home runs. Like you're not really hurting yourself. The same thing with Revis, right? Like Revis sucked his last three years, but we're just gonna remember his like immortal four or five mm-hmm. seasons. Yeah, for sure. Um. All right. So, uh, so your final prediction. You said six or seven is the baseline, but you're predicting what? Nine wins, ten wins. I mean. I guess I'd have to go somewhere in the middle. I would say I would have to. I again think of the pass versus healthy ten. If it isn't healthy, seven. So I would go in the middle and say they win nine Eight games. Eight yeah. seven one. They'll win nine games. What they're going to do? We're rarely Matthew both higher than the guest. So I don't remember from years past if you were just a generally pessimistic Texans fan, or if or if you've really like uh, you know you're just really anticipating. The drop off from from like the cartoon numbers that 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 Deshaun was putting up last year. I mean, I just watch the game, look at the numbers, and just kind of go by that. Like I like I keep my heart out of it whenever I have to do make these conversations and stuff. But I think even last year too, I think I picked him to win. I think seven or so. I think I think Chester was really low, and you're a little bit higher than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but again, throw them out the window when you when you lose Watt and Watson. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But. All right, so you were a great guest. It's really great having you. Maybe if the Texans make it deep in the playoffs, we'll get you on again. But this was a lot of fun. I always, you know, I always forget between years, like which guests are good and which guests are bad. So, like in the first two minutes, I can always tell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah this guy was good. But I don't make, I don't take notes. Like if someone's incredible, maybe I'll remember. Like if something really funny happens, or like the worst two or three guests, we like we'll take off our list and not have back. But. I for, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you were good. I, I, I never remember from year to year with uh, which which people are, are like, you know, are A's and which people are C's. But thank you so much, Matthew. So what do you have to plug? Uh, I write for Battle Red Blog, which is the Texans SB Nation site. I do the podcast for it as well, which you may start doing next week, maybe the week after. It's been, been a little creaky getting into football writing. I wrote some about Joe Flacco today. Uh, I was like mm-hmm. 3,000 words about his postseason run from 2012. That's on the, the front page, Battle Red Blog, right now. If you need something nice. to read, and then well, what, how are you? How are you tying that into the Texans? Because you're uh, Texans. not at all. I just wanted to write okay. it, so I wrote it. All right, you just wanted to write something long about Joe Flacco. Yeah. It, it, you, what do you think Lamar Jackson takes over this year? Yeah, I think so. I think he. I think Flacco's. Not, there's nothing to show he's going to be any better. And like they add Snead and Crabtree, and mm-hmm. and uh, John Brown, he's just going to overthrow him again a bunch and. 
I mean, I I don't see them having. I don't see them being good ever again. So I think I think people Jackson's are going to forget how incredible because Flacco's going to be like bad, and then he's going to go to like the worst franchise next year and be really bad. Uh, people are going to forget how incredible he was when they won the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, for sure. I think like, oh, that was such a crappy Ravens team that won the Super Bowl. They beat like a very good Niners team, and they're gonna they're gonna forget that like Flacco was Peyton Manning basically for for a month, right? Yeah, it's hilarious how good he was. I think he'll probably like start in Tampa or Miami next year. And then 100%. Be, be terrible. Oh, yeah. Tannehill's and gone. Be the Flacco. Somewhere. I, I love the call. I, I, you Right now, remind me next year that you called Miami or Tampa. Jameis Winston's going to be like in jail or in the CFL. Ryan Tannehill will you know be a backup in like Detroit or something. Mm-hmm. And, and he will have his choice between the two NFL franchises. Maybe Bortles falls off the map and he can pick, Flacco can pick like that gig of any of the, th- of, any of the three Florida teams who all yeah, like, just, draft QBs who beat him out. Anything that puts him in Hawaiian shirt is what I want to see. Yeah, I, 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 I love. Who would be the f- most fun person to watch Flacco overthrow in the league? Oh, Will Fuller, because I think it'd be impossible that he would still do it. Yeah, yeah, Robbie Anderson on the Jets. Uh, yeah, also. yeah, something like that. That would be a good one. I mean, they'll just. The problem is he'd throw it out of the end zone, and Anderson would run out of the end zone and then like beat up a cop, beat up a cop in the uh, in the locker room while he's running after the ball. Um, okay. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for your time. We'll be back uh, with I think the Packers. Will be the next episode. I'm not sure. I gotta look at the schedule. But uh, see everybody next week. Bye.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.